This podcast is brought to you as part of the RBS SE100 Insight Series in partnership with RBS Inspiring Enterprise and Pioneers Post. If you've been in the industry for more than five minutes, you'll know that there's a lot of navel gazing done about social entrepreneurship. And you'd think one person who'd be 100% behind the term is Pamela Hartigan. She heads up the Skull Centre for Social Entrepreneurship at the Said Business School in Oxford University. Pioneers Post recently travelled to Edinburgh for the RBS SE100 Insight Conference. There, Pamela shared her thoughts and concerns about the state of social enterprise. How exciting is it to have people who have actually proven that they're effectively running these enterprises and are making a difference in the world. And really, just congratulations to each and and every one of you. Now, I want to start out my brief talk today just sharing with you in, you know, the spirit of full disclosure, something that has been troubling me for quite some time now. And I know that by making this confession, the you will probably be sitting there wondering why the organizers ever invited me. My confession is the following. I am beginning to feel more and more uncomfortable with the term social enterprise and with the descriptor that's used to, you know, also talk about a starring actor who is the social entrepreneur. Now, I really believe these terms were very important at one point in time, but right now what I'm finding across the world is that they continue to foster this notion that social entrepreneurship is synonymous with engaging in palliative band-aid approaches rather than about promoting disruptive business models and approaches that address the root causes of a problem whether it's social whether it's environmental financial etc that afflict our societies of which the UK is of course no exception and why you are all here entrepreneurs are disruptors they do not accept the status quo all of you here I am convinced want to change the system and the system is broken it perpetuates this inequality and the social tension that is growing. Now, I'm not denying that these individuals that we call social entrepreneurs are exceptional. Believe me, having worked with these people, they are exceptional in the good and the bad sense of the word. They've identified opportunities where others didn't see them, and they've persisted in pursuing this endeavor that for most of us would be really just too far out and risky. And through a combination of that persistence and that resourcefulness, newer, better approaches have emerged that have been critical to social and environmental solutions. And to advance the nature of or the mission of that transformational change that they're seeking, they have set up their own organizations, some of them nonprofit, some of them for-profit. That's completely irrelevant. But the whole focus is really how do we actually completely change the system? But they'll be the first to tell you that they couldn't have done that alone. So their success has been because of the fact that they infected others. But without those teams, as you well know, sitting in this room of talented people who surround you every day, many of these entrepreneurs would have not gotten to where they, they are. But I believe we really need to evolve into a more realistic appreciation of the role of the entrepreneur and the importance of that supportive team and ecosystem in enabling organizations that allow entrepreneurship to flourish. And it's time to move away from that less idealistic to a more pragmatic understanding that it takes teams in that supportive ecosystem of organizations to make change happen. And those teams comprise individuals with a diverse array of talents and that are critically important to starting up and scaling social venture.
but it's not only the entrepreneur and the team that are important. If you look at the comparable example of the world of business, think of all of the supportive ecosystem that exists around building <coughs> businesses. The ecosystem of actors that support the birth and growth of sustainable social enterprises is really in diapers at this point. And that's why what RBS is doing here with its partners spearheading this initiative of the SE100 is so important to building that ecosystem. It's equally important to drive change from within existing companies so that they're more accountable for the social and environmental effects of their operations. So with growing frequency, I see some really exciting things that are happening in the corporate sector by what they call now entrepreneurial teams to rethink supply chains and product lines and new uses of waste and energy and efforts to engage employees in different ways. Now while these corporate entities are certainly not what I would call social enterprises, their commitment to rethink how their business is actually operating in the 21st century in ways that create value for business and society is really exciting. The definition that we've used of entrepreneurship, whether social or environmental, is way too narrowly focused on venture creation. And it focuses too much on the noun, the entrepreneur, and not enough on the activity of entrepreneuring. It considers this broad set of activities intended not only to create wealth, but to bring about new states in economic, <coughs> social, and cultural environments. Why is this an exciting concept for me? Well, because it recognizes, really honestly, few of us are entrepreneurs. You have to be a bit crazy to be an entrepreneur. But we can all be entrepreneuring, whether we work in a publicly listed company, you can be entrepreneuring, or a small, medium enterprise, public sector institution, or happen to be someone preparing for a role in any one of those. Another reservation I have about clinging to the designation of social entrepreneurship is it continues to dichotomize where we make our money and where we do good. So it implies that somehow those of us who call ourselves social entrepreneurs are virtuous and great. And those who are commercial entrepreneurs are, well, the opposite. Making money is terrific. It's what you do with the money that matters and how you invest that money and you know how much value you place and what, what drives you in terms of priorities. Now, one of the big conundrums about entrepreneurship is that we really only know the value that's been created after the fact. So until these ideas are actually converted into real value, entrepreneurs' ideas might truly be just pipe dreams. In hindsight, ideas that work seem obvious to most of us. Oh, I could have thought of that, right? But the thing is, we didn't think of it, or maybe we did think about it, but we didn't execute on it. Entrepreneurship is about acting on that perception and then turning it into extraordinary value. Entrepreneurship is not just about coming up with the idea. That's the easy part. It's about transformational value creation. The essence of any kind of entrepreneurship is about hard work, as you know, persistence, ambition, resourcefulness, salesmanship, and thinking in different ways. Innovation is wonderful for many reasons, but an unintended consequence of its present overuse is that it intimidates potential entrepreneurs who think that without this brilliant idea, they can't move forward. Look at Google. You know, search engines existed before Google. It was, you know, Brennan Page that took it up, perfected it, and in that, that way actually did innovate. So I always thought that it was bizarre 
that in the UK and other countries that followed the UK model, the systems changing transformational element of entrepreneurship has been sucked right out of the practice of entrepreneurial activity. That's my read. Granted, you guys have to juggle a really, really tight balance between delivering social services and disrupting the system and not let yourselves get trapped into being just subcontractors for government. We have had in recent years a whole industry crop up of social enterprise, which is actually serving just to put the Band-Aid and to allow government to continue as business as usual. Don't let yourselves fall into that trap. Be the change you want to seek. That's exactly, you know, Mahatma Gandhi. Charitable approaches seek to build the hospital or the school, but they're not transforming the health system or the education system, and that's the role of entrepreneurs. For me, the difference between social entrepreneurship and social enterprise is quite distinct. For me, social entrepreneurs march to the tune of a different drummer. They're not going to do what government tells them to do. They're usually going in the opposite direction. However, partnerships between governments and social entrepreneurs are extremely important. My only concern is that in that startup phase, when you're really about disrupting the system, who's going to want to support you to disrupt the system? I think that government is extremely important when, in stepping up to the plate when the social entrepreneurial venture has really proven its model and is actually moving and, and scaling up. Is the role of government important? Oh, you bet. Oh, it's incredibly important. It's essential to providing that infrastructure, including the regulations and the policies that are going to promote entrepreneurship, incentivize investment from much larger pools of capital, including pension funds, endowments, and other fiduciary and commercial capital that can complement and increase grants and concessionary capital. And the UK has been a pioneer in that respect. So I want to conclude with one of the more exciting developments that I see on the horizon, and that is the evolving role of the corporate sector. There are a growing number of companies, small, medium, and global, that are seriously looking at how do they pivot their entire operations so that contributing to solving some of the world's greatest problems, biggest challenges, becomes the company's core pursuit. That might sound really crazy, but it's happening. These entities recognize that we have tested the limits of all the natural systems that support our economy and our society, and that we really need to establish a new paradigm for how companies operate. And they recognize that it's incontrovertible evidence that our climate is dramatically changing in the threat that this presents, but also to the opportunities that rise in the clean economy. They're highly aware that the planet's resource constraints are there, and they're witnessing the rise of commodity prices and the explosive growth of the middle class around the world. And at the same time, they're feeling the technology-driven demands for transparency with the possibilities that open innovation brings. It's an expression of this shift as the growing number of global companies that are coming together, even as competitors, to review how do we embed sustainable practices into our supply chains? How do we shift from short-term to longer-term thinking and practice? How do we bring in our shareholders? In that sense, the increasing partnerships between social entrepreneurs and organizations and businesses that are seeking to pivot and uh, relearn how they support social benefit as well as financial goals is particularly exciting. 
But I don't want to give you the idea that, you know, this is becoming the norm. Uh, far from it. Boy, you know, wouldn't that be lovely? But we are moving in that direction. Hundreds of us out there, and I include myself, I'm not an entrepreneur, but I can be entrepreneuring in all sectors of society. And that together we form part of this wonderful movement that is rethinking business and the role of governments and social entrepreneurship as this approach rather than a specified field is really paving the way for that kind of transformation of capitalism where the creation of positive social change through markets is going to be really key. You talked about positive social change through markets and I just wondered <coughs> if you could explain a little bit more about what you mean by through markets. There are some things that will never be transformed through markets. There are other things that will be. So given the fact that capital is so needed to actually grow this space, that's really what I mean. Just right back at the beginning, you sort of mentioned that you're un becoming increasingly uncomfortable with the term social enterprise, yeah. which is something that resonates with me as well. And I just, I wonder if you have any thoughts about what kind of new language you think mm. describes the space that's in, that you're thinking about. There's so many different terms being used, whether it's conscious capitalism, sustainable capitalism, moral capitalism, breakthrough capitalism, and each one of these has its own following and its own constituency. All of these buzzwords, they're all getting at the same thing. I would just like us to call it entrepreneurship. Just strip away the term social. The minute you put social on it, people just, you know, have this idea of what it is that you do. Oh, isn't that nice? And a little pat on the head. We're helping people transition mm -hmm. from often uh, uh, commercial backgrounds yeah. into having careers in social yeah. enterprises. And uh, what we're finding now is the people that have been through the program in social enterprises for five years are finding it really difficult to have the development opportunities that they need and expect. Mm. Um, and that they're seeing their, their peers that have stayed in the commercial world yeah. as having. Have you any ideas as to how, um, as a social enterprise space, who keeps saying that finance is a major problem and the social investors yeah. are saying, actually, leadership, we can't see the leadership teams that we want to invest in. Mm -hmm. um, how we can collectively come together to be tending to the very talented people that want to dedicate their, yeah. their careers to this space. This is a huge issue. At this point in history, it is a choice that they're going to have to make because the salaries are not what they are in the corporate sector. It's going to be a problem that we're going to live with for a while. I think that what we find is that there is so much psychic energy that want psychic capital that people get out of working in these kinds of organizations, that, that that rides them through, but it can't ride them through forever. So it is a concern, which is exactly why I said it's like entrepreneurs who want to go into the space are actually very young or they're retired. What do we do about that middle when the talent is so important? What do we do then? It's a real problem. I have no answer. One of the things that I think is the most telling way that we can really assess our impact is to say, to who am I accountable? If you are all of a sudden accountable to your donors, if you feel your accountability is upward accountability, and not to your client, who are the people that are there to serve, you've lost your way already. Your ultimate accountability is to the lives of the people that you have been set up to actually affect. 
last year, which opened my eyes and it was shocking. They had no idea what their impact was on the ground with clients. A kind of classic corporation uh, through its you know, traditional structure ever be a social business? Or do we just kid ourselves with CSR and other related activities? I think there's a real transformation going on. I sit on the board of a publicly listed company in Holland. Sometimes I sit in that board and I think I'm sitting on the board of Greenpeace. And the CEO of this company, it's a multinational, basically had to really put his head on the chopping block when he went to his shareholders and he said, this is the route we're taking, we're pivoting everything that we're doing. But it's, it's hard. It's just as hard, I think, to be an entrepreneur as it is to be an entrepreneur. It's just a different set of challenges. I suppose the question in terms of how you navigate between disrupting the system and acting, acting as a disruptor of the system, but actually not pissing off your donors. Have you got any experiences of how you can you know, ma manage that tension between, between um, who you really should be serving? Yeah, I think that is a huge tension, and I think that you need to be very careful about who you get to support you. You've got to have people who are aligned with your values and who will understand what it is that you're about and understand where it is that you want to go. Next time on the podcast. Saving human lives by training rats, detecting landmines with rats, that's fantastic. And some people might say that we get rid of two problems at once. That's right, do not adjust your radio, you heard that right. Discover how rats, giant African rats no less, are being used by the social enterprise of Popo to defuse landmines and stop the spread of TB. The IBS SE100 Index allows social enterprises to benchmark their performance and health check their social impact. To find out more and sign up, visit se100.net.